for a second, I totally forget about Tyler's whole controlled demolition thing, and I wonder how clean that gun is. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Wait a minute. 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 I see what's going on here. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Right, and welcome back to Wait You Haven't Seen, uh, the podcast where we find a movie that we somebody we know hasn't seen, and then we talk about it. Um, joining me this week, I have Christina. Hello. And David. Hello, nerds. <laughs> How you doing? And Keith. Oh. Hey. All right. Uh, so, Christina and David, this week, um, you have never seen Fight Club. Until last night, that is correct. Maybe I have, but I don't talk about it. <laughs> that, that that joke's not going to get old at all. Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> um, so, I saw this movie in the theater. Uh, 1999, it came out, directed by David Fincher, starring Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. Now, real quick, I have to tell this story because I think... I love this movie, but I think some of that is colored by my experience of seeing it for the first time. So it came out in 1999, uh, in October, I think, of that year. And I was, um, you know, I was 17, 18 years old, senior in high school. Um, it came out right around my friend's birthday. And so a group of us that hung out like every weekend went to see this movie. And, you know, we went, we went out, we had a birthday dinner, saw the movie, loved it. Um, ended up hanging out for the rest of the night. Now, in high school, we didn't do, we were like, uh, I don't want to say straight edge kids, but, you know, um, I think one of us smoked, uh, one or two people had ever drank. I never had, my friend Joe never had. Our weekend fun was like driving out and going in the, you know, two tracking in the back 40 type of stuff. We did it that night uh, out there. We went two tracking and got stuck about four and a half, five miles deep in um, Hoosier Valley. And, get you. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly where you were. Well, what was funny about it was I was recovering from uh, stress fractures in my foot from cross country. So I was walking with a cane, and we had to, we had to hike out of there and uh, end up hitchhiking um, like the last mile to a payphone so that we could call – one of you know one of our friends' dads to come pull us out of there, because um, no, nobody had yes yeah, nobody had cell phones then, so it wasn't like we could just call and wait. Uh, you know there wasn't uh, we didn't have GPS on a phone that they could just find us at, so we had to go hunting back and remember where we went. So it's a very memorable night, and that was the night that I saw Fight Club. So not only did I enjoy the movie, but uh, that that experience really you know, burned the movie into my, my memory. I can see uh, that. Yeah, being a thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 1999 and it's David Fincher. And this is one of his earlier movies. This is, uh, after seven and after, um, the game, um, 
and then he made Fight Club. is based on a book by Chuck Palahniuk, and it really wasn't a big hit. I mean, it's it's a cult classic now. A lot of people really enjoy it, but it did not do well in the box office. Uh, I think it made like $37 million in the U.S. total um, on a budget of $63 million. A lot of a, a lot of which went to the CG, which I don't know if you guys noticed it or not, uh, but there was a lot of CG in this movie. Uh, yeah, in sort of reading the, uh, the the trivia post, there was a lot of CG. There was a lot of editing. Uh, you know, the the bombs going off at the end. Um, I think my favorite effect they used in the movie was how they filmed the the sex scene between uh, at the time Brad Pitt and. Helena Bonham Carter, um, Marla and Tyler at the time, how they filmed it in still frame bullet time, sort of like the Matrix. And yeah. I just thought it was a very neat effect. It was interesting. A lot of the CG in this was pretty interesting. There was a lot of those, like the whole opening credit sequence, starting from like a, a synapse firing all the way out where it's, you know, it's going through the body and it's basically backing up all the way out and coming out the skin follicle and and all that obviously all that's done cg but that was really pretty groundbreaking for its time okay. say which they also went and did something similar for the x-men movies i was i was just thinking x-men and sam raimi's spider-man yeah intro mm-hmm. to the first spider-man well and that opening scene there one of the things that i liked is you know they asked him it think can you think of anything clever to say Anything, but at the end of the movie, same scene, I still can't think of anything. Yeah, the flashback humor line. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know, David Fincher does a lot of CG work that a lot of people don't realize. Like His movies are some of the the biggest CG movies you'll see out there. You know, everyone thinks, you always think of like a big CG movie as like Michael Bay and Transformers, right? But yeah. uh, David Fincher, this... Um, Zodiac has an incredible amount of CG that went into making that movie. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen that, but that is probably my favorite David Fincher movie. I have not seen that one. That one uh, we have to we'll have to do on this show at some point. I I love that. Like even I like David Fincher movies a lot. I love Seven. Uh, Fight Club is a lot of fun, but but Zodiac for me is his best movie. Uh, but I don't we'll think s- fun is what I would call Fight Club. No, no, it's the. But yeah. we'll we'll we'll, we'll save that conversation for for another time as far as Zodiac goes. But he uses a lot of CG and he does it in ways that you don't normally think of. Like this movie, a lot of the CG was used for you know the shots. Like he did a lot of that. Um, I'm going to start on something really 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 small and then slowly back out and show you know reveal what it is. Like the the coffee cup lid or you know the synapse. He did that a couple of times in there. But oh, yeah, um, when. When humans finally start going into space, it'll be the corporations that name everything. Yeah, I love that. This movie was very, like, anti-consumerism, which, from what I understand, is different from the message of Palahniuk's novel. Um, But I've never read the novel, so I couldn't tell you you exactly. I'm interested to go pick it up. Yeah, I would be, too. It's one of those things I get to the bookstore and I can't remember what I'm looking for and I find (laughs) something else. Um, so, all right, let's start with Christina. Um, so you'd never seen the movie before. Uh, you would have been right around that same age, 18, 19, uh, when this came out, right? 19, yep. Okay. A little, little over 19. So, 
What did you think of it? I honestly almost fell asleep a couple of times watching it. Um, to me, it was poorly paced. Um, not to say that the movie was bad. I didn't think it was horrible. It just didn't hold my interest as well as what I would have wanted it to. Um, part of my tainting in it is I, at the time of now watching it, I already knew the, the surprise uh, at the end. Mm. I go went into the movie already knowing the twist. Yeah. So it kind of tainted yeah, the kind experience. Of a, kind of passed the spoiler buffer. Yeah. Well, you know, that can... That can happen, especially with a movie that's been around as long as this and is talked about a lot. Because Fight Club gets talked about a lot. Um, if you, it's counterintuitive if you've watched the movie. It fair. That's that's two. So for those of you drinking at home, that's two. Um, <laughs> I recommend stop now. Before you <laughs> yeah, you. Works yeah, you might not make it through the show. Yeah, um, to date this, it is uh, St. Patrick's Day though. So true. True. We are, are recording. We are recording on St. Patrick's Day. Um, so yeah. So just didn't uh, didn't capture you. Is there a reason that you didn't see it back in '99? Is it just not? I mean, I can kind it, of understand a little bit if if I look at it through the lens of like where I was at that point. But I'm just curious what what you thought about it when the movie was coming out. Just wasn't anything that interested me. Um, I was always more science fiction, fantasy. Give me something with uh, in space or something in horror versus what looked to me like a bunch of men just bunching each other bunching each other in the faces. Which, I mean, is not that far off from what it was. Um, it, it's interesting because I really think this is such a guy movie. And in the sense of, like, it's a lot of masculinity, uh to an extreme in droves yeah, yeah. like to to a, almost a, a cartoonish level there's no way that this passes the Bechdel test well no i mean there's only one female character in the whole movie um okay so to a point i'm gonna bring up later on too but yeah um all right so that was what christy thought david uh, you were would not have been one to see this in the theater when you were four so um correct <laughs> But uh, what, did, what did you think about uh, the movie overall, seeing it now? Um, so I sort of went into it with not a ton of research, um, just some basic stuff. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it, is the thing I will say. Um, I have only seen a couple David Fincher things, but I have liked everything else of Fincher I've seen. I've not seen Zodiac, but I have seen Seven. And I have seen House of Cards, and that's like the only properties of his I have seen. Um, and I just sort of picked up on stuff he did well. But like Christina, I knew the twist as well. Um, and I feel like had I not known the twist, I would have enjoyed it more. I can absolutely see that because watching it now and knowing the twist, I see a lot of the places where they're tipping their hand, where they're kind of giving things away. The interactions between the narrator and Marla when she starts showing up at the house. The first time I saw the movie, uh, I felt it was very, very different from seeing it now and knowing kind of that it's it's all him in the first place. And so she just thinks he's a crazy person. Yeah, you can you can see a lot of the wait, what? Huh? Wait, 
it was you. You told me, not not this. And why are you not? Re- why are you referring to yourself in the third person? And who are you then? What type of reactions from a lot of people, including her? Yeah, it's a lot of fun rewatching this movie for somebody who has watched it. Is remembering the reaction you had when it all came back, and then later rewatches like, oh my god, this makes so much more sense now. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, there's no way to put the toothpaste back in the tube. But do you think that 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 reveal, that twist, um, would have been effective to you had you not known about it going into the movie, or do you think that they gave too much away? Um, I knowing the twist, seeing the signs, I I definitely saw the signs more knowing the twist it's kind of loops in on itself yeah i know the twist so i see the signs but i see the signs because i know the twist um like one thing that i think i caught a lot of was it was either the first or second time marla spends the night over um she would never be in a shot with both brad pitt and edward norton well the narrator actually brings that up in the movie too yeah, that they. Yeah, he he says something in one of his voiceovers were, about. My parents did the same trick. They were never in the same time, room at the same time, except for their hump sessions. I was basically passing messages back and forth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So I definitely caught that. I don't think I remember the line, but you reminding me of it makes me remember it. But I don't remember the line watching it but i remember seeing that sign and then obviously something i wouldn't have picked up on on the theater but when at the beginning before he discovers the support groups when he's still an insomniac you see the flashes Mm -hmm. of tyler durden which unless you were really looking like they say when he's editing film you probably wouldn't really know what you saw but i think there's three or four flashes of him bef- while he's insomniac then once he mm-hmm. hears it he goes away and I caught that and I was I was watching it with my girlfriend um, and I like saw it and I paused it and she's like why'd you pause it and I was like I gotta go back and I <laughs> framed I framed back and found the frame he's in and I thought oh that's interesting but of course he also shows up in that uh, uh, hotel commercial where everybody like opens up their arms and says welcome he's also in in that Yep. Advertisement. Yeah, they, they did a lot of that subliminal stuff early on in the movie of Tyler. And I liked even little little things like when you first meet Tyler, there's a there's a shot and you you'd notice this if you go back and watch it, but there's a shot where he, he grabs his business card and gives it to him. And you can clearly see his hand and he doesn't have that scar yet. And then, of course, later on, he's got the the chemical burn scar, and he shows it to him like, yeah, I've had this for, you know, basically showing it to him like, I've had this for a long time, and now I'm giving it one to you, which clearly he wouldn't have had before that thing happened. Something that I realized rewatching this movie, and I've seen it many times, but I hadn't watched it for a few years, I personally dealt with a little bit of insomnia back in high school where I would... I would have two or three days in a row where I wouldn't sleep or I would, you know, I'd sleep an hour or two a night. And so I think that might have been part of why I enjoyed this movie so much is I kind of felt like that at that time. You know, it 
that there's the line in it where he talks about having insomnia. Everything feels far away. You're never really awake and you're never really asleep. Yeah. And yeah, that, I, I felt that too. So, I, I mean, that's part of it is, you know, it, that's obviously something that I could connect to on a personal level. Mm-hmm. But, um, huh. but yeah, I liked the subliminal stuff. That was kind of cool that they, you know, they threw that in there. Um, the, the fact that Edward Norton's character, while they end up calling him Tyler at the end of it, he never really has a name all the way through the movie. You know, he's credited as their narrator, um, which this is one of the few times where narration in a movie didn't bother me. Um, it did a little bit watching it this time, like, oh, man, I didn't realize how much narration there was. But, um, you know, in fourth wall breaking, because um, I have, like, the... Whoa. Somebody's My phone. Um, I mushroom soup scene in particular? Uh that one, the well, the lobster bisque, you know, the the whole thing where he's talking yeah, about him right. and like food service and and all that. I I guess I didn't realize that there was that much fourth wall breaking, but there's a lot of narration, and normally narration just drives me up a wall. But I think the way that this movie was structured, it didn't bother me as much as it probably could have. Um, it's interesting to me that you don't enjoy narration because. I think it depends. I don't know. This it depends on the movie, and it depends on how much it's how much and how it's being used. Like when it was being used a lot in older noir films, for instance, uh, it kind of made sense with the type of um, the type of story that they were telling. And I get it in when movies use it in terms of a flashback. So I guess I can kind of see why it was used so much in this, because basically ninety percent of the movie, ninety five percent of the movie is a flashback. But I think it's because it's been used so many times to dumb down a movie, like the way it was used in Blade Runner, uh, where the studio made him put in a voiceover, or what was the Mel Gibson movie Payback, if you remember that had. Uh, and that that one less so than Blade Runner, but it's there's times where it gets used in a movie that I just feel like it's cheap. This didn't necessarily feel that way. This kind of fell along the lines of Deadpool. That's a good, yeah. That's a good way to put yeah, it. A lot closer to that, yeah. I I like that because they're not putting the narration in to hold the audience's hand and explain things that the movie itself is showing. The in a in a way that uh, that feels pandering, I guess. It's just it's a look inside the head of this person and the way that he he sees things. So I guess maybe narration on its face doesn't bother me so much as like poorly used narration. There's a lot of poorly used narration. I think that would probably be the uh jeez. Uh, the words fell out of my brain. Yeah. That'll happen. <laughs> um so interestingly reading the the IMDb trivia, um Chuck Palahniuk actually thinks that he f- the the film improved on his novel. Um, I don't know if I uh, totally believe that, but um, having not read the novel, I don't know. Uh, I did like this one. So the scene where they have, uh, they give them the first homework assignment, you know, you're going to go out, you're going to start a fight with a total stranger and lose. And then they have the the montage of everybody trying to start the fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. When the, the 
mechanic is spraying the priest with the hose. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's there's a camera shake, and that was because the cameraman couldn't stop laughing. I believe it. <laughs> that was actually probably my favorite point in the movie. That was great. It really was pretty funny yeah. where the, the priest like goes off to hit him and then, oh, oh shit, and runs. Like, that, that cracked me up. Then he actually starts fighting back. I'm like, yeah, they're going to get a priest in on this, and it's going to be funny. Uh, uh, the scene where the, the two of them are hitting golf balls, um, they apparently were really drunk while they were doing that, and uh, they were hitting golf balls into the catering truck. <laughs> so the ricochet was actually them dodging. Yeah. Uh, I do remember one one time listening to the commentary track on this, which is like, I think it was Brad Pitt, David Fincher, and maybe Edward Norton. And it's a pretty good commentary track if you ever get a chance to listen to it. Because they're just tearing, the, they're tearing on each other the whole time. One of the things I noticed um, after having seen it a few times is Brad Pitt's swing looks far more confident than Edward Norton's swing, which kind of leads into the, you know, he, Tyler is the idealized version of the narrator self. Mm-hmm. But no, apparently it's just they're both drunk and you know, winging golf balls and Edward Norton wasn't as comfortable with this swing as... Yeah. Yeah. Um, when the narrator hits Tyler Durden in the ear, so, what, 35 minutes into the movie or something, the first time he hits him, um, Edward Norton actually hit him in the ear. Uh, and yeah. originally it was going to be a fake hit, but apparently before the scene, uh, Fincher pulled him aside and just told him to hit him in the ear. So he does it. And I didn't notice this, but I guess you can see him like smiling and kind of laughing off the side, uh, side of the frame. That one was always great where he's just like, Oh, why, why the ear that, that seemed like a pretty genuine reaction. I, I can definitely see it, and it, it worked for the scene. I had, uh, the whole surprise thing, you know, oh, I, I actually hit you. Oh, oh my God. Well, you, you said, you know, oof. And then, you know, when he gets hit in the stomach, you know, when, when Tyler hits narrator. Yeah. Um, Jim off guard. The, the scene where there's uh they talk about the pillow talk and like the oh the stuff that came out of her mouth and then there's that shot where they fall back on the bed and she says you know her line um you know i haven't been done like that since grade school originally had a very different line i don't know if any of you have ever heard this story but i'm going to put it in the chat um because i'd actually don't even want to say it out loud it was pretty dark um so if you take a look in the chat, you'll see what the original line was. Yeah. Uh, I can say that. I have no predilections. But uh, apparently it was objected. <laughs> it, it, I didn't want someone else to wow. say that. Yeah, no, no. I don't, I don't want to say it at all. But apparently it was uh, the studio presidents and everybody were like, uh, no, 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 no. And so Fincher wrote the replacement line about grade school. And when she saw the new line... <laughs> The, the president of Fox 2000 Pictures saw the new line, and she was even more outraged and asked for the original line to be put back in. And Fincher was like, no. So they kept the second one. Oh, I just Wait, If you're going to go for a hot-button issue, you gotta you got to pick which iron you're grabbing. Ugh. Would you like to be stabbed in the face or <laughs> the heart? Yeah, no doubt. 
Um, it, 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 I think it really comes down to would you like the left hand or the right hand broken? It's going to be one. Which one's it going to be? If you had to pick a knee, <laughs> what is your favorite? Yeah, the chimney. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that would have been a quite the line. Oh, and again, I, uh, that I guess if uh, I guess if we're not going to say it, just Google it and find it yourself. Yeah, do do a Google in place it's, of the uh, the other one. <laughs> it's in the IMDb. Man, we can't even say the other one. No. It's in the IMDb <laughs> trivia. You can go read it for yourself. Um, so the, another good one uh, that apparently got the studio president was um, the shot where um, narrator is coming up to the door, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tyler opens it up, and he's standing there, and he's wearing the rubber gloves. That was Brad Pitt's idea to have the rubber gloves on, and for some reason, that created a bunch of controversy with the president of uh, Fox 2000 as well, and she wanted it removed that he was wearing rubber gloves, but God, what a prude, but <laughs> in a test screening, yeah. everybody laughed at that. So they kept it in. Uh, it's like, it, you open the door, he's got the big rubber gloves on. You're like, what the, what, what the hell's going on here? Yes, exactly. I remember, I remember laughing out loud at that. And like all of us, when we saw that for the first time, because it was just such I'm a non sequitur. My apologies. I, I swear a lot. So I'm trying to watch my language. It's all right. He had to um, censor me last episode I was in. It's okay. Um, tisk tisk. You I'm, not normally, I'm not normally a fan of like unrelated or sorry, unrated and not rated cuts. Um, but I feel like if there was any movie that could benefit from having one of those, it may have been this one or maybe even an NC-17. Just seems like something that could have been so brutal and honestly the other fincher movie as well seven yeah you know it's funny because watching it this time i realized how like i always knew this movie was pretty brutal but man was it it was it was pretty brutal just the the makeup wow. effects that they did during yeah. the fights and everything yeah. oh yeah um jared leto the there the day well, after and uh Bob on the table. Oh yeah, Ooh. and then yeah, of Bob course the, the table, final right? headshot. Yeah, they. Uh, I. You notice they even got his eyes in that shot. Yeah, Ugh. and his eyes for that shot too. Uh, that was something else. Um, you could say his head looked like a, a loaf of some kind. <laughs> Oof. Now I'm yeah. gonna. I gotta yeah. check this because I thought I saw a name at the beginning credits. And I want to see, I want to confirm if that's right or not. That did make up for this movie. So give me a second while uh, while I look for that. Um, but um, while I'm looking for that, why don't you guys talk about uh, who did you think did the best job in the movie, like acting wise? I liked Edward Norton, and I've liked him in most things I've seen him in. But I feel like he did just a really good job of being you know surprised by what's happening and then sort of discovering what's going on um but i also think of the brad pitt movies i've seen that felt like a really strong performance yep i can agree that, i can't say that there's any you know the, the more time they had the more they got to live into their character they got to that person like you know, Helena Bonacarter uh, really got into 
and the narrator really became that that person you know you feel that the whole cast did really well even even meatloaf running around with bird seed i think it was like bird seed and in some kind of with buttons sewn onto it for you know for uh oh yeah mm-hmm. well you know it's funny because he his you can say it, his boobs he had big yeah. giant boobs that's pg yeah well PG-13. so he had, yeah he had always been kind of a big guy and uh then he lost a bunch of weight right before this movie was getting set to do and then they cast him and they wanted him to wear a fat suit so i always thought that was funny it's like poor guy a just bit of irony. Yeah, poor guy just lost. So I'm not seeing it in the list here, but I had I distinctly remember seeing the name Rob Botten in It's there. It's under the makeup department. All right. Special Maybe makeup. Maybe you saw it in the end credits because costume Where is makeup? Camera. So do do any of you know who Rob Botten is? Not yeah. offhand. Okay, you say it is under special makeup effects? Uh, just under the makeup department itself. Oh, and makeup he department. was labeled as special makeup effects supervisor. Okay, music, other crew. It was up toward, yeah. There's the produced, music, cinematography, blah, 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 costume design, and then makeup department. All right, I'll find it here in a second. But... Uh... Art department. Ah, here we go. Uh, Rob Botten. Okay. So, Rob Botten, um, he was uh, the makeup department for uh, Seven. So, he did Seven. He did Total Recall. He did Robocop. He worked in the makeup departments for all those movies. But probably his best known and some of his finest work was he did the makeup effects for The Thing. Mm-hmm. So I did not know that he worked on this movie at all until this viewing of it. And I saw his name in the opening credits, and I was like, well, wait a minute. That ki- is that the same Rob Botten? And sure enough, it is. And that dude did some amazing practical makeup effects. So Well, yeah, the, the ending scene movie, you can definitely tell. Yeah. Um, so Helena Bonham Carter, this was the first movie I had ever seen her in that I remember. I think I had... Maybe seen her in Merlin before this, but it didn't. I she didn't look the same at all to me. But I didn't realize until well after seeing this that uh, she's she's British. She's not an American because she did a really good, I think, American accent. I was gonna say this is the first movie I've seen her in where she was not British. (laughs) Yeah. No. it took me a while to realize that she was British too. I mean, I mean that's, that was an impressive, you know, and her in a very American accent, not even like like really nasally. And she, I don't think she ever really broke it, which is pretty impressive. That's always the hardest part, especially if you have a scene where you have to yell at all. Um, but I thought she was phenomenal in it. Um, and Ed Norton, I think. I agree with David. Ed Norton was great. Um, I mean, Brad Pitt's always good, no matter what he's doing. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. He generally does Brad Pitt. Okay. Can do everything he does, so. Yeah, I am recording, but go ahead. I thought that was a strong Brad Pitt performance, and I feel like a lot of the Brad Pitt movies I've seen aren't as... 
meaningful, I should say. But I, I definitely enjoyed what he did. I felt like he brought good energies, and when he was trying to be scary, he was scary. And when he was trying to be sort of, you know, Tyler, your chum, he was good as your chum. Oh, he had, he, yeah. Yeah, he, this was kind of, not the beginning of him being sort of Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, but this was like kind of at the peak of his younger, because he sort of, he did it, and then he's morphed as he's gotten older into a lot more, um, you know, just a lot of different roles. Um, Yeah. But you're right, he, he really was multifaceted, I thought, and... You know, as far as like physical condition, this was probably peak Brad Pitt. Oh, sorry. I was reading through the makeup Oscar list, and I was reminded that Suicide Squad is an Oscar-winning film. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the way that Brad Pitt's walking around with his pants practically falling off, people notice that he's in shape. Oh yeah, he's shredded in this movie. (laughs) It really, really was. And Edward Norton. It's funny because he had done, I think American History X was before this, and he was so big in that movie, just built. And then in this, he's scrawny. And But if you notice, he kind of, he definitely transformed over the course of the movie. He was a little doughier towards the beginning of it and got, you know, that that's kind of a nice little subtle continuity thing. After his first night, he's a wad of cookie dough. After a month, he's carved out of wood. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Back on Helena Bonham Carter, though. Yeah. Um, did anybody else really notice that nobody interacted with Marla? And, like, I don't think anybody talked to her except for Tyler or the narrator, and nobody had any physical contact with her until the bus at the end of the movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about it, her her own inter- her only interactions with other people were the store clerk, where she's selling all the pants that she just walked into the laundromat and took. Um, and then the only scenes she has are with uh, Tyler slash the narrator until they're in the restaurant. Um, Walking through traffic... But she, but it's funny because she would just walk out into traffic and cars would stop. So she was obviously not a figment of anybody's imagination. That's actually interesting you mentioned that because, like I mentioned earlier, this the scene where every time she was in the room, it would be either Tyler or the narrator, which was having me think that she was going to be a different personality. Yeah, I mean, I can see I- that. I, or at least a figment within like another or acknowledges her after they bring her up the stairs yeah, yeah another disassociation yeah that's an interesting way to look at it and I think I can see that you know seeing it now <laughs> huh. um, did uh, any of you notice the music I mean, how did 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 it uh, was it anything that you noticed, or was it just sort of background? You don't really pay attention to it. I don't often draw to the music in films. 
Okay. Wasn't particularly listening this time, um, but now that you've said something, I'm going to end up watching it again and listening the whole time. The reason I bring it up is the the soundtrack was done by the Dust Brothers, um, who were some pretty well known, you know, electronic musicians, especially you know mid to late '90s, um, and I loved the music in this. Uh, I bought the soundtrack, um, you know, for the score. All the original music in it was done by them, and it's such a fun score because you get uh, you get a lot of. I mean, the scene where they're doing the they're going around looking for the fight and everything is is a very different tone from you know the music that started everything out. And it's check that out because it's a really well done score. A lot of times, scores that aren't orchestral. Um, tend to get looked down on this one was pretty well received but uh you know it, it all depends original music is like daft punk doing original music for tron legacy was amazing um or what's another one uh trent reznor's been doing a lot of more recent uh david fincher scores um but i think this is one of the best Carolyn manson did the one for resident one of the resident evil movies okay and you're seeing it more and more, um, but I think this is one of the better, in my opinion, David Fincher uh, movie scores, and I like a lot of the other ones. It's just something about the way this one did. The, some of the licensed music was, you know, okay, uh, but they did have Tom Waits in there, which always always makes me happy. Uh, the scene where they go into the uh, they go into the bar and there's that long tracking shot. That was a Tom Waits song mm. called "Going Out West." Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, if you get a chance, check out the um, the Fight Club soundtrack or Fight Club score, original motion picture score. It's all the Dust Brothers, um, and it's really, really good. It, unless you're not into electronic music at all, then don't. I don't care. But I, especially as a fan of that kind of mid to late '90s, like I, I listened to a lot of uh, Prodigy, Orbital, um, Chemical Brothers, and the Dust Brothers were just another. Another in that kind of group. So. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Prodigy myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I could sit and gush about this movie for quite a while, but uh, you know, it was a. For me, I think had I had it not come out when I was, right around that seventeen, eighteen years old, might not have had quite the impact that it did on me. Um, so I sort of see why. You know, seeing it now for the first time, plus the just the landscape of things is so different than it was back in 1999. Like, tw- it's almost 20 years ago that this movie came out, and how different a movie is. Uh, I mean, I don't know that this movie would be made the it wouldn't be made the same way today. But I'm not even sure you could really. It wouldn't do any better if it was made today. I think than it did back then commercially especially in, in no. some of the some of the uh, instances like with the you know calling back to the payphone where he probably just dialed the payphone number well that was one of the ways that they um, subtly kind of let you know that Tyler isn't real because and it's hard to see it but on the payphone there actually is a uh, no incoming service. So that shot where the phone's ringing, the payphone is ringing, and he's looking at it, and the, the camera slowly pushes in. Right above it, it says, no incoming service. So the, the, that phone couldn't have rang 
That's that was all in his head, but um, that was another one of those kind of subtle ways of showing early I on. That part. Yeah, you have to you have to really be looking for it. And in fact, in the version that you guys watched, it probably um, wasn't like wasn't a high enough resolution to really see that. I think mm-hmm. a, a you know a Blu-ray or something you might have noticed it, but um... I liked how uh, when he's talking about how they were supposed to grow up to be movie stars, astronauts, rock stars. Looks right at Jared Leto. Yeah. Well, and this was like Jared Leto. Not had I guess he had done my so-called life by this point, but yeah. he wasn't really that well known. At least. I don't remember him being that well-known in 1999. Maybe I'm wrong. No, but he ended up doing, what, 30 Seconds to Mars as his band? Uh, yeah. yeah. When did they their first stuff come out? That's a good question. I don't, uh, I don't particularly know. But I can find out. Um, the power of the internet. internet. Yes. 1998. So I guess they had been a thing before that. That's when they formed... Oh, their debut album wasn't for another couple of years. They debuted a couple of years after this. so. 2002. Yeah. So maybe it's just something I'm noticing after the fact that I... Nah, it could maybe. be. You know, I... I don't know. I do think it was a really well put together... It's obviously a well-made movie. David Fincher doesn't make uh, a bad-looking movie. There's... You know, you can go back to his... Alien 3 looked good... Um, cinematically it might not have been a very good movie um, and some of the CG in that definitely doesn't hold up and I even, I mean, some of the CG in this I noticed more than I did in 1999 but David as a whole, I think the movie held up really well yeah, well David Fincher always makes very visually stunning stuff I think some of that is his uh, his uh, music video background you know, he was part of that group of um, directors that came about late 80s, early 90s with Michael Bay and David Fincher and Russell Mulcahy that all, you know, got started doing music videos. Um, but uh, he just has a very unique visual style. This movie was very dark, like color palette wise. And, um, yeah. I, I mean, just, I was feeling that was a hallmark of. Fincher, because I was thinking of again. I haven't seen everything he's done, mm-hmm. but Seven was dark. Yes, yeah, Seven was very House dark. Of Cards was dark. Notice a lot of the late '90s, early 2000s stuff was dark in palette tone and just. Yeah, I mean, that's if you think about this movie, The Matrix, Dark City. Uh, you know, a lot of movies that were. Um, very dark, almost noir-ish type of stuff. Um, that might have been what they were trying to emulate. Yeah. I'm sure this was at least partially um, noir-inspired with the voiceover and the way that the way that things were done. There was you know, there was a little bit of that in there. Um, yeah, what is it? Cinematography, Jeff Cronenweth. Um not familiar with him by name, but I'm sure he's probably done a lot of stuff that I've seen. Yeah, most of uh, Fincher's work is the same director of photography. Gone Girl, um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Social Network. 
So I think that guy just likes his uh, darker tones. But it makes for a very visually uh, interesting movie, I think, overall. Yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't a bad movie at all. It's just one that uh, didn't really hold my interest that well. Yeah, I kind of noticed you're, you've been very quiet uh, through most of this. <laughs> that says a lot about your thoughts on the movie. And, hey, that's fair. You know, we're not, I'm not looking for everybody to always agree on everything. I like the movie. But, again, I'm almost certain that... I would still like it if I saw it for the first time today, but it wouldn't have the same effect on me that it did seeing it when I was 18. I figured that she probably, you know, uh, Christina and David probably would have enjoyed the exploding computers part considering some of the badging. Oh, I giggled. (laughs) I giggled at that. That's another thing. There were, you know, a lot of, very 90s references in this like they're at the video store taking a electromagnet and erasing all the tapes you know that obviously yeah. wouldn't do anything today because i didn't realize what they were doing that's what they were doing okay, okay. see oh, there geez. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a perfect example you had no idea what they were doing i knew uh, i knew immediately what they were doing they were erasing all the tapes hey, with an electromagnet i watched this, this movie it was on uh, a vhs that I had liberated from uh, somebody who owed me money while I was moving their stuff out of somebody else's apartment. Oh, really? Well, you know, I figured it, it seemed like the kind of thing that you would do. You would liberate this this art. Oh, um, real quick, I don't know if any of you... Now, I noticed this when I saw it in the theater... Um, but this was also at a time, a period of time where I listened to this band a lot, but there was a cameo from the lead singer to the band live, um, Ed Kowalczyk. I don't know if any of you are familiar with or listen to live much. Uh, they were... Listen to? Yes. See? I couldn't tell you what... You, you could show them a picture, you could show a picture of them to me right now, and I wouldn't be able to tell you who they were. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, they were they were very popular in the mid '90s. They had a lot of radio play. So, um, mm-hmm. and me being, you know, me, of course, I, I looked up a bunch of stuff on them even back then, and I had a few of the albums, so I knew what he looked like, and I was like, "Holy crap, that's Ed Kowalczyk!" Had like tonic and throwing copper. Um, th- throwing copper, yes. I don't remember one called okay. tonic, but. I just thought that was a neat little, uh, you know, cameo. I always like looking for uh, those little cameos of people that, you know, it's like, um, uh, who was it in, um, uh, what was the movie? Crank. Um, Chester. Benning. Oh. Benningfield? Bennington? Bennington. Bennington. He was in a Saw movie as well. Oh, was he? I just yeah. remember him in uh, the first Crank. I don't even think of him as cameo because I knew he was he was a lead in one of the Saw movies. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, that's a that's an actual like, hey, we cast this person. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to here's somebody who, if you're, you know, you might know who this is. They're just going to put him in a little throwaway part. I mean, Ed Kowalczyk plays the waiter in a restaurant. He's the one that tells him to not have Marla get the uh, the clam chowder. Hmm. So, food only. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I like the movie. I'm I'm glad uh, glad to hear that at least you know 
you didn't hate the movie. Um, so that's good. It takes a lot for me to actually hate a movie. it. It was a good movie. I think I would have liked it more had I not known. Yeah, I do wish that you guys had been able to go and do it completely blind and like not know that part of it because that is that is a very very big part of the movie is that reveal that holy it's, it's, crap it's up there in terms of big movie spoilers. Yeah, but like with some other movies, at least for me, I would have picked up on it way early. There are other movies, uh, I don't know if you want me to go into them, but uh, a quarter of the way into the movie, I had already solved the issues and known what's going to happen at the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done that with a few movies in the past, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll let's keep to spoiling one movie at a time. Um, yep. <laughs> But, but you know, I have I've done the same thing. I remember seeing a movie, and um, I won't say what movie it was, even though it's not. It's it was a Wesley Snipes movie. I'll put it that way. But I knew within the first fifteen minutes. Oh, that that character's you know, they 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 played the whole this guy died thing. I'm like, yeah, he's going to come back in the final scene, type of thing, um, because a lot of movies don't they they telegraph stuff too much. I think. Part of the reason why the the reveal in this is something that I I wish you could have experienced the way that I did is because it's so, in my opinion, well played. Like it's not it's not overly done. They're, they don't oh, they tip their hand a little bit, but they don't overdo it. And yet at the same time, it's not like a wait how huh you know completely out of left field thing uh, either. Like, it did not feel forced at all. No. I mean, if you're paying attention, maybe you notice it. I don't think movie audiences in 1999 were conditioned to notice stuff like that at that time. Because um, we hadn't what really he... had a lot of, you know, twists It wasn't like a last-minute twist thrown in at the end to make you go, oh. But at the same time, I don't think it was something that the majority of moviegoers we're going to pick up on until at least it's realized. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. What do you each think the biggest clue was? My biggest giveaway was uh, obviously the fact I knew it, but <laughs> if I had not knowing it, I think the biggest clue would have been once Tyler disappeared and he was going around the country saying, I looked at all his old stubs and I just kept getting deja vu and deja vu. And obviously that's right before they gave it away. But yeah, I think it, that was just like so on the nose. Yeah. At that point they were that's about when I started figuring it out. Like yeah. I was just watching the movie to enjoy the movie. The first time I watched it, I, that's one of the ways I watch movies is I, I put in the movie and I analyze, I just start watching the movie and just try to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it was uh, basically when she was like, "What? Why are you saying that you're not Tyler? You're Tyler. That's the name you gave me, basically." And that's like, "Yep, there's the answer." Yeah, and that was at the point where they were really, you know, they were really starting to to play their cards and be like, "Okay, now we're we're just going to sort of rapid fire, give you a bunch of little breadcrumbs, and then boom, there you go." But I, I liked the way it was handled because. It didn't. You're right, Keith. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like something that they just tacked on. They they laid the groundwork for it early, 
and just slowly built it to that point. And that's why I think that this movie was actually paced pretty well because it isn't. It's a long movie. It's two. It's well over two hours. Um, I think it was like two well, hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, which that's a long movie in general, but that's really long for you know twenty years ago. You weren't seeing a lot of yeah. a lot of movies, and maybe that's part of why it didn't do so well was was how long it was. But I didn't feel as though it was overly long personally because of the way it was a slow burn and it slowly built, 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 and kind of layered. Um, layered a lot of the uh, clues on top of each other. Yeah, and then there was me the whole time going, I got the clues, just say it already. <laughs> well, and that's why I wonder if you didn't know that twist, how different you would have thought of the movie. No, it, it would be the same way. Um, like, the other movie that I didn't say the name of, they basically did the same thing, and it's I'm sitting there in the theater fidgeting uh, a quarter of the way into the movie wanting to walk out the door already because of it. Hmm, okay. I could very well be wrong. Um, I, I pick up on things like that. That's the, I am probably the worst person to go to a movie with because I will see it and want to share it with you. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely, definitely don't be doing that. <laughs> if I pay for a movie ticket and you spoil it for me while I'm in the theater, I'm going to be upset. Yes, which is why I generally don't go with a lot of people. <laughs> I had I Force that, Awakens. And I appreciate it. I had Force Awakens spoiled for me hours before I saw it. Oh. oh. Did you punch and that I person saw in the it face? A day early. No, to date it, it, I think I was playing. It might not. I, I don't think it was Overwatch, but I was playing a video game, but someone put in chat Han Solo dies at the end. Spoiling another movie. That's fine. If you haven't seen Star Wars, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens by now, uh, it's beyond well, the two-year moratorium. It. It's very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're past the buffer. I mean, look, I'm... I think I know what movie you're talking about, Christina, um, that you were sitting in the theater for, uh, but regardless, I mean, as far as spoilers go, the show's going to have spoilers, so who cares? Um, especially if something as widely released as Star Wars The Force Awakens. Like... That movie made so much money. Billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. Sure, it was that many billions? I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I... Uh, I liked it. Good movie. That's good. It seems like one of those movies that... Where... The... The twist is such an integral part of the movie. It's not even like, oh, that's a twist, or I was a bad guy, and you just yeah. me. Yeah, it's... It's such an integral part of the movie that I don't think I want to watch it again. That's like, fair. No, I can see that. It's The Sixth the entire... Sense would be another movie that's like that, where the twist in The Sixth Sense, once you know it, it completely changes how you see that movie. I know the twist, but I have never seen that movie, so I feel like it's... There's another one to add to the list for us to do. You guys, he's named seven movies during this. (laughs) This No, I mean... I've been trying to keep my mouth shut about which ones I haven't seen, just so, you know, we can... Just so I'm not going to be that guy. No, that guy is David. He hasn't seen anything. And nothing. He was a kid when this movie came out. The rest of us were... 
old enough to at least try to sneak into the theater, if not legitimately buy a ticket. I know, I've, I've seen the, all the other movies that have been listed so far, so... I mean, if, if it was October of 99, then I could have legitimately bought a ticket for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. I did legitimately buy a ticket for it. Um, but... Only just, but I have been able to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can understand that if you, you know... You're right. The twist in this is the linchpin of the movie. Without that being well executed this is just another kind of late 90s hyper violent testosterone driven you know masculinity film hyper masculinity at that uh, with sort of very on the nose anti-consumerism stuff I mean the the whole thing where they're basically ripping on Ikea for an entire scene uh, in his condo oh, yeah, and all that vi- in, yeah. Now in catalog vision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was another scene that I actually enjoyed and was giggling at. Yeah, it was a well done scene, but it definitely, like, all of that stuff, I don't feel like would have much impact without the the linchpin of realizing that, oh, okay, this this dude with insomnia actually created another personality for himself of who he wanted to be. I don't know. I I just think that it hit me like it this movie came out at just the perfect time and it hit me at just the right point in my life that it it impacted me. Mhm. Nothing wrong with that. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Oh yeah, no. I I definitely don't apologize for it. It just it was that was what it was. It was the perfect confluence, the perfect timing, all of that where it meant a lot to me at that time. Uh and I wasn't I mean, I'm not I wasn't a like overly macho guy even then I did a lot of athletics but the fighting part of it I guess never really was a huge thing for me it was more connecting on that level with like the insomnia and the way that that feels and just kind of kind of like wow that yeah this sort of is how I feel about some of that stuff and and a lot of that has changed over the years um as I've gotten older, but definitely that angsty 17-year-old kid loved that message. Yeah, I, the, the whole, you, you are not special, you are not unique. You yeah. Know. You are not the car you drive or the contents of your wallet. Or not your job. Can we introduce that back, please? What's that? Can we introduce that back <laughs> to the world, please? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... But and, and that was no, that part really stru- really struck with me. Um, the whole you know you are, you know, till you are not unique. The universe doesn't care. You know, what if you know if if there is a god, he doesn't want you. In all in all honesty, he probably hates you. That, that was yeah. That really took root. You know that that's like yes, that's finally somebody else saying the words that I'm thinking. This is a very nihilistic movie. If you really think about it. And, and, you know, that's, I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah. But then again, that's, that's kind of how I look at the world these days, you know? It, because of this movie, but it, a direction to go in that made me sad. You know, it's like, hey, you know, this is, this is a thing. And there were other things that also did the same. I was like, wow. 
Oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So, you know, I want to thank you guys for, for taking the time to watch the movie. Because, um, again, long movie and definitely not... May have watched it twice. I'm happy I did, but... Uh... <laughs> The funny thing is, of course, I watched it with my girlfriend, who has never seen anything. You think I'm bad. <laughs> and she had seen this. Really? <laughs> it blew my mind. Um, and uh, that's not true. She's seen everything that's come out since 2008, basically. But she had seen this, and I felt like a real dumb. <laughs> Well, it was nice of her to sit and watch it with you again, so she must not have hated the movie. Uh, she, yeah, I think she fell asleep. Uh, her three, but she, also, <laughs> she, she falls asleep in everything. It doesn't oh, matter. All right, well, that that works. Um, yeah. She fell asleep during uh, Enter the Spider-Verse, like, during how? the last big fight. Oh, I'm telling, dear. I'm telling you, literally everything. <laughs> oh, that's one I still have to see. So don't be go don't go spoiling that one for me yet. When it's not past I have seen that. It's not it hasn't been out long enough yet to spoil it, but I, I'm I'm going to see that soon. Uh let me know when I, so I can be there. Okay. I could do that as a film for this program. Uh yeah, that might that might come because up. I have seen it and Christina has seen it. And it is excellent. That is what I hear. Um that But uh yeah, so now you've seen it, so you don't ever have to watch it again. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch it again. Probably not for a little while. I've seen it now. I don't need to watch it again for a bit. But uh, you know, I revisit, I revisit it every every so often, just to see if, I mean, if nothing else, to see if it still holds up. Plus, I just like the performances. I mean, it. You can tell Brad Pitt's having a lot of fun playing that character. And it ends up kind of being like a, a barometer or yardstick for your, per, your yourself. It's like, huh, I remember how I, I think I remember how I was when I first watched this and watch it again and see how you feel compared to when you first watched it. And I think, you know, it's a, yeah. Which character do you relate to this time? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Well, I think that's going to be, going to, just about wrap things up um but again i want to thank uh, all three of you for joining me this week uh, christina david and keith um thanks it, for having me it uh we'll have you we'll have you on again um of course uh i don't um don't actually know what's going to be the next movie so uh <laughs> we'll talk about it yeah you, usually i like to try and have something lined up i i'm really not sure um but we'll have something soon in the meantime um you can find and subscribe to the podcast um it will be showing up in itunes and google soon um right now you can go to tvstravis.com and there is a subscribe button right there um so uh yeah that's where you can find new episodes of the show whenever we put them up and um until next time uh thanks for joining us thank you bye
feathers up your butt does not make you a chicken. <laughs>